After these things, the Lord appointed other seventy also, and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place, whither he himself would come. That is Luke 10.1. Welcome back to another episode of Thinking Well Podcast. I'm Kyle. And I'm Tom. What's going on, Tom? Another beautiful week has come to an end, Kyle, and we're heading into the marvelous weekend. It's yeah, so fleeting. It was a, it was a long week for me. Really busy, long. It's like you ever have weeks where it's it's so busy, but it flies by. And you're just you know it just mm-hmm. goes right because you're because you're busy. It was busy and it took forever. That sounds absolutely horrible. It was bad. It was wow. like, just a week or whatever, but it, uh, I'm happy that uh, the work week is done. Um, we had another one of those uh, discovery days today. Okay. So it's it's rare that they're uh, scheduled on a Friday. A lot of people don't like traveling on Fridays, but this guy was eager to get up from Houston. So, all right. But glad to be done with work for the for the week, and uh, happy to be here, folks. Yep. So this week, we're diving back into our uh, missions. Missions yeah. topic, yeah. So we've we've covered quite a bit so far. I mean, we've talked about missionary kids. We've talked about the missionary and his wife. And I think we talked about this week just kind of covering the current state of missions. Uh, maybe some historical context for missions from a... Uh, I guess it would be kind of the 1600s is when kind of world missions started taking off. But that's not the first instance of missions. Uh, the verse that we that we led off with was kind of the first case of Christ sending out his disciples uh, two by two. And we know that from a historical perspective, the many of the apostles and the people from the church of Jerusalem went out and there were, there was all kinds of missions and Paul and Barnabas and their many missionary journeys and how they kind of handled everything. But there's, there's a shift that takes place at some point down the line. And when we look at it historically, I, I pulled together some historical data, one might say, some context on some of the, what we would consider fathers and champions of the, of modern missions. Uh, one of those would be, uh, I know William Carey was one, uh, a, a Baptist a missionary. He was born in an Anglican home, but he first started out hyper Calvinist, became part of the of the later. There was a voluntary society that was established, and it was the Baptist Missionary Society. So th- this society sent him out uh, to Burma, and he kind of took up there. There's there's a lot of other missionaries. We could talk about David Livingston. We could talk about Adoniram Judson. As we look at every single one of these, they had this burden to go reach other places in the world. And as they felt this burden, they took upon themselves to find the funds and establish kind of the societies that would send them. Um, So as we look at that and we call them like the fathers and the forefathers of modern missions and stuff like that, it's, it's really curious to me that we say that. And then they were, I mean, in all honesty, they were sent out by self-established mission boards. Right. Uh, not directly sponsored by even the mission boards themselves were not directly sponsored by churches. Right. They're external organizations that, you know, God used to, I guess, motivate and, and, and cultivate these guys to go out. But um, it's interesting that you see that shift towards a, you know, a third party organization versus keeping it within the church, right? How, how Christ intended it with, 
with the first church there in, in Jerusalem, and then you, and you see out through the letters, Paul and Barnabas, really all, all, all the apostles, I mean, um, took it upon themselves to expand into you know Asia Minor and as far as far west as I think what we call Germany now. Yeah. But um, yeah, the shift is interesting for sure. And it's 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 crazy because even when you look at like um, publications like the Trail of Blood, which is a great great work, um, you look at the steady line of Baptists or the Baptist faith and the Anabaptist line that goes through, and it wasn't often championed by a single person. Those expansions and those groups, while they may have held to uh, the leadership of a certain person, it's really these groups themselves that propagated what we would consider today missions. And I will kind of, I'm not a nitpicky kind of person, but I will kind of go into uh, missions is not a biblical word. You will not find the word mission or missionary used in that context anywhere in the Bible. They're called evangelists. They're called uh, even, uh, you look at Paul and Barnabas, they were called uh, all kinds of things as far as elders and preachers and referred to themselves even as, as uh, Paul does as a preacher and a, a servant of God. But you'll never find the word mission or missionary in the Bible. Now that does come from, it was a, it was a phrase that was kind of coined by the Catholics but the crazy thing about the Catholics is while we, while we as Baptists were going out in these, in these groups and people groups that just held to Baptistic doctrine, we, we did it in that fashion. But the Catholics, they were, they were so the origins of Catholic missions was definitely militant, right? Because they went forth in the Crusades and like right. that's how they um, proselytized the heathen, they conquered them. Right. Through extreme <laughs> prejudice right. and force. Right. And th this is how the so many portions of the Catholic faith already corrupted, right? They'd already gotten into infant baptism and baptism being a part of uh, your salvation. But you find that, that certain things that they once had held to become start to become eroded away as they adapt their Christian view to kind of match more of these pagan countries that they're conquering because that's an easier pill for all of these pagans to swallow who, you know, they worshiped a primarily female goddess. So, well, you worship a primary female goddess with a singular sun figure anyway. We'll just, we'll plant Mary in there and we'll plant Jesus in there and he, there you go. See, we didn't really change your religion. We just changed some names. You can still worship the way you used to. Yeah, well, it's just a watered-down, compromised version, right? And it's, I mean, th what, 1,000, 1,500 years later? Yeah. Right? Here we are. And so it wasn't until uh, 1200 and 1600 B.C. that so th there were these monasteries where people, the monks were just kind of sequestered and they did all this learning and all this stuff. But you see a shift where these monks were starting to go out and they became like the missionaries, but still they were sent out by the, the local diocese. They was, they were sent out by uh, the monasteries. Um, Francis of Assisi actually sent the monks that were there at his monastery out two by two and gave them a very similar charge that Christ gave to the apostles there at the end of Matthew. Right. So it's, and it's almost like we as Baptists and Anabaptists were like, well, it doesn't matter whether that looks like it's the right way. That's Catholic. Right. Immediately write it off. Yeah. yeah. We are not what, whatever they're doing, we're going to do the opposite because we're not Catholic. And that, that's a hundred percent great place to stand, right? Like we're not Catholic. We did not break from the Catholic church. We are not part of the reformation. We, we Baptists and Anabaptists can trace our lineage all the way back to the time of Christ. hundred percent. But I think just because somebody else is doing something mostly wrong looking at what they are doing right, uh, why, why shouldn't we steal that? Why shouldn't we take that? Why shouldn't we pattern that? 
Well, I mean, truth is truth, right? No right. matter what hands it's in, right? The truth of you know, the explanation of how to be an evangelist as a church, as a person, as a missionary, there is a guide for that yeah. in scripture. And whether it's, you know, the Catholic faith or the Wiccans, it doesn't matter who you are. The truth is the truth. You have to be careful not to write off a whole ideology, a whole group of people because they're doing other things wrong. I, I think that's where we where we definitely suffered in this deal yeah. is we we wrote it off altogether. We've started embracing other, I mean, quite frankly, non-scriptural basis by going out other ways. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, the the origination, the origin of this was from Christ. Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's a shame that over the years we decided that we weren't going to be like the Catholics. Now, 1,500 years later, 1,000 years later, we're kind of still doing the same thing. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and as I was just studying, and but believe me, I'm no, I'm no scholar. This is stuff that I've looked up before and I had to kind of refresh my, my memory on, but I, I was still unable to find when the shift happened. So you can see all these like societies being formed and mission societies being formed, but it's, it's during this time where these societies were being formed that men were standing up out of nowhere and saying, I feel called to India. I feel called to Papua New Guinea. I feel called to Burma. I feel called to East Africa. Um, Versus the church. Right. Calling them. Through, you know, through divine the Leading. funnel, if yeah, you will, no, right? For sure. <laughs> Down to, into um, the church and then out to the missionary. So, and and when you look at that, these these are the guys that we call the father and the pattern, the fathers and the patterns of modern missions. And so, as Baptists, we saw the truth in you know these societies and these boards and these sending clearing houses. This isn't the way that God intended this to be done. And we pull out of those things and you start seeing us do something different as the Baptists become a stronger and stronger voice in the Americas. And when we decide to take on missions here in America, we also establish some societies at, at one point, but we start breaking away from that and we start funding our missionaries through individual church projects. And that brings us up to today. So we could talk about the, the typical pattern for the beginning of a, of a missionary's work. Um, I, I feel called to Germany. I, I know I've been called to preach, right? And folks, this isn't me saying this. I'm just using this as an example. I am in fact called to preach, but I'm not, I'm not called I to be a missionary I thought you were dropping yet. a bombshell no. live on thinking, <laughs> no. thinking well. And Lord, you know, I'll go wherever you want me to. Um, but so I, I'm called to preach and I really feel that the Lord's calling me into full-time service somewhere. Well, where could that be? So I start to pray, Lord, wherever you want me to go, lay it on my heart. I, I know that you've called me to be a missionary. Um, I don't know where you would want me to go. Would you, would you lay on my heart where you want me to go? So I start talking to my pastor and my pastor and I pray about it and the church and I start praying about it and I start getting this feeling of where God wants me to go. I, now the feeling may have, uh, the kernel of it may have started from a, another missionary um, coming through or me going to a missions conference knowing that I'm, I'm called to be a missionary. I need to be around other missionaries. And however it happens, I feel that God lays a burden on my heart for a people group or a country. And we'll just, we'll use Germany because I actually was there. So he, he lays Germany on my heart. Okay. My pastor and I, we pray about it. The church prays about it. We were pretty sure I mean, we're very sure that's where the Lord's calling me to. So we get a hold of some missionaries in Germany and we schedule what's called a survey trip, right? 
This is an opportunity for God to solidify in me my call to that country. So we, so we schedule the survey trip, we go over, and while we're over there, what we do is we visit a couple of key uh, metroplexes in, in Germany. One of them really sticks with me. We'll say Cologne. Cologne really sticks with me. I come home and I really feel like that's where the Lord's leading me. There was this interaction that I had with this person that uh, just, I mean, the Lord really, I mean, it just brought me almost to tears. It really, Lord really dealt with me. The Holy Spirit really convicted me like this is where you need to be. And through a, a, a lot of prayer and fasting and just seeking the Lord's face, my family and I, my church and I, my pastor and I, um, we, we really feel like the Lord's confirming this, this call to Germany and Cologne specifically. So then our church votes and decides that they're going to provide X amount of funds uh, for us to go. And we know that we need $8,500. I know we keep using that number a lot, but $8,500 to go to Germany and be missionaries over there. And our church, our church is kind of mid-sized. It's not a really large church, but it's not a, a really small church. And they say that they'll take on 1500 of that 85. I'm, I'm $7,000 short. So this whole time, my pastor's been working on our behalf and on our behalf as a missionary family, and he's been contacting other pastors and, hey, we'd really like you to have Brother Tom in. He's got a really passionate call to Germany. Uh, the Lord's just kind of working in him. We're really excited about what he's doing here at the church. Uh, would, you, would you have him in? So I've got a schedule lined out for the next two years. And so... I quit my full-time job, go into full-time ministry as a missionary, and my family and I, I've got, I've got two kids and a wife. My kids are seven and eight years old, and here we go. We're going on deputation. Now, what deputation consists of, from a Baptist missionary perspective, Kyle, how, how do you see dep deputation as a, from, from what you've learned about Baptist missionaries? Oh, um, just from the, the limited amount of missionaries that have come through this church, um, I've seen a lot of them. They seem to live in a, in a state of fear. And what I mean by that is they're, they're constantly trying to conform or kind of read the church that they're visiting week to week uh, to make a good impression, right? They're, uh, they're, they're being less real. They're being less uh, convicted about you know, what they're actually convicted about. Um, you know, these, these things, and we, we've talked about it, listeners, but um, these, these preferences, right, mm -hmm. um, within the Christian faith that don't matter one way or the other, um, but they've become guilty of it themselves, of, of, of bolstering those up and just kind of, hey, we'll play to this because we're in a more traditional church. Or hey, you know, well, this this church seems more laid back, so we're going to act this way to try to gain support. Um, and it's it's sad. It's sad to see it. Well, because I can't, as a as a missionary, I can't be critical in any church that I'm walking into, right? Well, absolutely. If if they're if the church that I walk into, if if they're what we would consider a worship service, and what's some churches would still to this day consider just a song service, right? And I'm air quoting song service. Um, we walk into a church and everybody is suit and tie, um, skirt and blouse, dress for Sunday. And folks, again, there's nothing at all wrong with that. If that's the way you prefer to dress when you go to church and that's the kind of church that you attend, amen and hallelujah, you're an independent Baptist. Right. The point being, it doesn't matter what you wear to church. Right. Anyway, um, keep going. And so I know going into that church, I don't know what it's going to be like when I walk in. So my family and I have to dress as conservative as the most conservative church we may be in. 
Now at my home church on a Sunday morning, I'm wearing a button up shirt, a blazer and jeans and a nice pair of shoes, right? But as I'm out on the road, there are churches that I could walk into where the pastor and the congregation would be offended by that. By that but yeah, by that kind of attire. Right. Yep. And maybe my wife on a Sunday morning wears slacks and a, and a nice blouse and, and some nice shoes. And my kids wear, you know, a nice shirt and, you know, khakis or jeans on a Sunday morning. Well, we've got, we, we can't do that on the road. We have to be the most conservative that we could possibly be, or I won't say conservative because I'm, I'm still a conservative. We have to be the most traditional, right? the most Methodist that we can possibly be when we go to these churches. Because what I'm really trying to do is gain support to further the gospel of Christ. And there are things that, as you said, I have to conform to in order to garner that support. Because... I'm not lying. I'm not saying that I believe everything that that specific church believes from a traditional perspective, but at the same time, I'm not going to criticize it and I will conform to it while I'm there. Because even Paul said that I have become all things to all people so that I could gain some. Right. 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 And I a hundred percent get that. Well, why would Paul put that in the Bible? because I'm sure Paul had to deal with that stuff too. But what I don't think people realize is Paul said that in the context of when I was around people that were going to be offended by me eating meat, I didn't eat meat. And when I was around people who would have been offended if I didn't eat meat with them, I ate meat. I can be just as, I can have just as much liberty as the Christian Greek, or I can be just as conservative and traditional as the Christian Jew is what Paul was saying. But he wasn't saying that to say that this is what I do in order to garner support. He was saying that I do these things so that I don't offend the brother or a sister. And as missionaries, that, that's, that's a, a primary focus for me, right? I don't want to offend anyone. But I think you're absolutely right, Kyle. I think sometimes that as missionaries speaking for for myself in in this situation, right? Like I'm going to conform to that because I have a burden on my heart and I need to get to the mission field to spread the gospel. So this is what I do. And I, I take on this nomadic lifestyle for as long as it, I set a goal. I want to be there in two years. Okay, so I have two years to raise $7,000. And I go to churches, and some churches, God bless them, will take me on for $25 a month, and every $25 matter. And some churches, God bless them, take me on for $500 a month, and every bit matters. But every single time I visit a church, there's this cycle. If I, if I don't like something, if I don't agree with something, I can't say anything. I have to, while I can voice my opinions to the pastor and we can sit there and talk about like uh, doctrine and preferential things because that's how you get felt out as far as what you believe so that a church knows whether or not they want to support you. Um, There are some things that I may have to hold back. Um, And let's not even talk about there's questionnaires out there. I was about to get into that. Kyle, what have you heard about questionnaires? I've heard some doozies. Um, a lot of them follow that vein of uh, extremely traditional churches um, where they'll want to know... It mostly has to revolve around a tire, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've talked about it. The craziest one I've I've ever heard, and it's, it's a true story. I think we've said it here before, but, um, you know, asking about what your wife wears to bed. Yep kind of a, a weird one um that does your wife wear when your wife goes to bed does she wear a nightgown or does she wear sweatpants or some type of sleep pants I'll be honest with you folks it's none of your business what my wife wears to bed 
Amen. None of your business at all. Matter of fact, it's none of your business what I wear to bed. It's none of your business what my kids wear to bed. It's none of your business what my kids wear in my house. Because you're not responsible for my kids and you're not responsible for my wife. I am. And the you know, sad reality is those kind of questionnaires exist. Yeah. And there's do. churches who will not, I mean, will refuse to even open the doors, give them, give the missionaries uh, a form to speak and especially give them support if you answer one of those wrong. God forbid your wife wear not what the, I don't, even, I don't even know what the acceptable thing, I don't even know what that means. What if she wears open-toed shoes, Kyle? Well, you can't have that. Okay. But stuff like that, it's just like, what, why are we, I mean, because it gets me kind of heated and I'm trying not to like. It's okay. I mean, we can, I, I'm holding back. I'm being a little dispassionate right now just so I don't like, overwhelm anyone but yeah, well, I, I mean, mean go, go well, ahead well, well let, me, let me say this let me say this i i think there's definitely churches out there who are very arrogant and are very just the traditional and, and they're very hard-headed and they believe what they believe and no one can change their mind they they hold to this value system just i mean stuff that you could find in the bible but it's again it's preference Mm-hmm. It was, you know, adopted by an elder member, member, you know, 50, 75 years ago, right. right? And this is how it was back in the 60s, 50s or whatever it was. And primarily maybe with an older congregation, you see that. Right. Um, but folks, it's so dangerous, especially if you have missionaries coming in and, and you know, I, I would like to believe that most missionaries are, are sincere when they come in the doors and they want to they want to present where they're going and what's happening and and they want to you know they have they have a burden to get to where god has called them to be yeah you know through a church there's a right way to do it but i, I it gets me so passionate because i i feel like some churches will start putting like barriers they'll start putting like stumbling blocks yeah in that process where no, that's a good that's a good, that's a really good comparison and like it's that. like what are we doing like if we're a, a new New Testament local scripture believing independent Baptist church, why would we do anything to hinder missionaries going out and spreading what, quite frankly, we won't even share to our peers? Yeah. Like, what are we doing? Oh, for sure. Um, so at every church that I visit as a missionary on deputation, I'm presenting the mission field that God has called me to. I'm explaining my call to the mission field. I am explaining the mission that we're on. I'm giving statistics on how lost German people are, the decline of religion and Christianity in Europe, um, the churches that have been turned into raves and nightclubs and bars and... um, how most of Germany has just become secularized and uh, no one really believes in God anymore. The percentage of fall in people that believe in God in Germany over the last 50 years. Um, I'm, I'm presenting all these facts as an argument for justification that you should support me and this is how much Germany needs Jesus. I could spend six hours at a church, present the ministry on Sunday morning. I could, I'm going to be honest with you. You could spend 16 hours at a church. I'm going to present the ministry in Sunday school on Sunday morning. But I, I, but the pastor justifiably won't have me preach the Sunday morning service. Now, that's not something that all pastors do, but Sunday mornings are a very visible time when you have a lot of visitors, and um, it's a very it's a good opportunity for visitors to hear the gospel as presented by the pastor. Right. I, I, I've seen it both ways. Yeah, and I, I think that's an. I see kind of that more and more where the pastors will can will even with a guest be when there's a missionary there will still preach on a Sunday morning. 
but they'll spend time with the missionary in the afternoon. And then as a missionary, I'm going to come back Sunday after Sunday evening or the, for the Sunday afternoon service. And I'm going to preach there. Um, and this is, and missionaries, I love y'all. If you want to disagree with me, you can, but I've got as a missionary, right? I've got five messages that I rotate through. I'm, I'm preaching in a different church every Sunday, every other Sunday. Do, and, and with everything that I'm doing with driving and I'm going to be in a, a different church on Wednesday night, then I'm going to be a different church on Sunday again. I really don't have the time or the opportunity to prepare a brand new message every week. So I have five on rotation and I, I just kind of let the Holy Spirit guide me for the week as to which one of those five I'm going to preach. But every single one of them is going to be... Um, kind of missions minded or how we need to approach missions personally and on an individual basis, not necessarily about my mission specifically, but I can spend 12 hours at the church. And by the time I leave two different, well, there's three different things that could happen, right? Number one, they don't give me a love offering at all. So some churches do that. They, they, because you came it's like they're offering you an opportunity to present your ministry so you don't get a love offering at all. And they may have put you up the night before, but if you drove in that morning to preach and then you're leaving that night, they, they didn't even do that. Sure. And then what if the church doesn't take you on? There's 12 hours that you could have spent as a missionary with a church that would have taken you on for support. And let's say in the two years that I'm on deputation, I grab 60% of the churches that I visit. That means that that means 40% of the churches that I visited didn't take me on for support. A lot of rejection. So let's say I went to a thousand churches in the two years that I was on deputation. 400 of those churches didn't take me out for sport. And 600 of them did, and I'm still short. I have faith that that's where God wants me. And even though I'm $1,500 short of my $8,500 goal, I'm going to go anyway. Now, these last two years, my kids haven't been in school. We've homeschooled because they need to be on the road with me. My wife has lived the life of a caravanning nomad on the highways and byways of the United States. And so have I. We, we know exactly what Vienna sausages taste like after they've been in the van for a week. Pretty tasty. I mean, they're fine. They're Vienna yeah, sausages, right? I don't right? Vienna sausages, actually. <laughs> um, but that, and we go. So I've taken all of my stuff in the house that presumably I had or apartment that I had or whatever I was renting, or maybe I bought, I bought and I, I have to sell that now. We're going to pack up all our stuff. We're going to ship it over to Germany because we've already arranged for housing and everything over there. We've got everything in line. Which most, more than likely, probably comes out of that amount. Yep. Which... It's expensive. Mm-hmm. Shipping containers are not cheap, y'all. I mean, they weren't cheap back in 2004, I think, when, like, my parents came back to the States. They haven't gotten cheaper. So I'm shipping all this stuff over there and praying to God that none of it gets lost in transit because that happens more than you would think. I bet. Um, I get over there and I, I start unpacking and while my wife and my kids are unpacking, I'm out handing out tracks. I'm out finding the different places around town where I can get into people's lives and, oh, there's a community center over there and, oh, this is where a group of people hang out and um, I'm kind of scoping out the area of where we've moved into and um, that becomes the story of my life as a missionary is 
and it's it's not a bad story from a sharing the gospel perspective because I think you find Paul doing that right like as soon as he got to a town he went to the synagogue or he went to the major area that people were gathering the marketplace the you see him up there on Mars Hill right like he went to where the people were um, so I, I think there's a great pattern for that you should definitely go to where the people are well and you, you definitely regardless of the circumstances that got you there mm-hmm. whether it be 400 I was gonna say hostile but churches that didn't support you or you know the rejection that comes along with that you not being able to raise you know the 8500 in completion that you needed mm-hmm. um, whatever got you there your job is still the same right you are there and I, I think you see it often I, I think missionaries do what they have to do to get there a ton of sacrifice we spoke about it in previous weeks, a lot of loneliness, a lot of sacrifice, um, but God still uses them. Absolutely. Um, sometimes God even uses them more, right? They, yeah. have, they have a story. And, you I mean, know, what a, it's a great way to build faith. I'll tell you what, um, just being around my parents when, when I was younger, uh, the crazy like faith things that happened for them like there was a bill that was due and they didn't realize that it was going to be due and it was kind of an out of the blue thing and lo and behold they open up a drawer and there's a letter sitting in there from xyz church that they had completely forgotten about and never opened that had been sitting there for three months and they read the exact amount for the bill yeah yeah uh, not joking that actually that that is a story my parents actually tell <laughs> like they they opened up the letter and it was the exact amount of the bill and that wasn't just the one instance, right? There's so many times where God just provided, provided, provided um, because they just acted out faith in their life. And missionaries rely on faith more than any other Christian people group I've had contact with. It's just, it's amazing. And when you look at our deputation, and how we handle that. It, it, is it right? Is it wrong? It's certainly a, a tough question. And I, I don't think it's, I don't think you can land on either side of it. I think it's, 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 it's not black and white. Um, and what I mean is that if, if a church has called an individual and we kind of spoke to it in the, in the beginning. Um, you know, I, I think the scriptural model is two or three. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's just look at this scenario, right? I mean, you kind of, you kind of went through, uh, you know, you, the scenario of, of what I think most missionaries go through. Um, well, let's go through this scenario. I, I, I did leave one, one portion out. Oh, good, good. Well, so what I did leave out at the beginning, because that was like the perfect, scenario of right. how it works out today, right? Yeah. But let's say the church that I attend is, they, they run 50 people on a Sunday morning. They run like 15 on a Sunday night and 15 on a Wednesday night. Oh, you're talking about just the initial support yeah. being much less. Well, what if they can't? What if they can't support me? What if the pastor in the church, they kind of, the, the pastor in the church, they get with me and they say, um, Brother Tom, I mean, we we appreciate your call and we 100% believe that you have a call. Uh, but as a church, we just can't financially support you in that call. So do I not go? And that's I think that's the other side of it. Um, to answer your, your, your question initially, I, in that instance, right? I mean, it doesn't change the fact that you are a called minister to a foreign land. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, doesn't change the fact that you're a missionary because your sending church can't afford to put you there. Right. And, you know, I've said it before. Um, ministry costs money. Yeah. It does. Folks, I, I wish we lived in a world that wasn't true. It'd be a much simpler world if finances didn't have to affect the, the decisions and, and how quickly missionaries get from A to B and, and all the in and outs of that because I think it just it breeds discontent it breeds just 
I don't I don't know. It's just, it's it breeds the ability to be disingenuine and live in that for so yeah. long. But what money I was, is a horrid necessity. It's it really is. And you know what I was going to say is like you know whether whether your church can afford to do it or not doesn't change the fact that you're called. Right. So I would say to answer that question specifically, it's hard for me to sit here and say that deputation would be wrong in that instance. But I think that us as a Christian people, as Christians, um, instead of internalizing it and thinking, okay, well, how can we do this better? What, what can what can Kyle Reeves do to make deputation better? Folks, we, we got to open our Bibles. We got to figure out what Christ said about it, what Paul said about it. Um, find examples in the Bible that worked. Yeah. And I think that's where you have to land. And like I said, it's unfortunate, you know, it's not, not everyone's going to be blessed with a church who is financially strong. And it's not even, it's not even just financial support all the time. It's just like moral support as well. For sure. So it's, it's not even just all monetarily, but I think that I'll, I'll put it this way, Tom. I think there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. Yeah. If you are going out and you're having to be a chameleon everywhere you go and you're changing your preferences and really some of your principles, if we're being honest, of what you believe and, and what's right and what's wrong, um, just to appease for, for, for some support, um, folks, that, that just feels super disingenuine to me. Yeah. To, to conform, you have to become uniform. Right. That, that feels wrong. That feels very yeah. wrong to me, um, especially if, you know, if we're doing it in Christ's name. It's just it gets very, very muddy for me. And I just I just can't really wrap my mind. I, I can't really accept that. Um, but again, it doesn't change the fact that you're called. So what what is the better solution? Right. What is the better solution? It, it all comes down, I think, to your sending church. I think that you find, and we'll get more into this, I, I believe, next week, um, but just at a very high level. Yeah. Um, and I've said it before, but I think a lot of the financial responsibility um, falls on your sending church. But it's not just, hey, they write you a blank check. There is a, I, I would, you have Where's to. Where's that sending church? Yeah. At? <laughs> yeah. You have to, uh, there's a lot of, preparation so what we see it now tom a lot of missionaries well what we see is from the very get-go they 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 take off on the wrong foot they're saying we kind of touched on this before but they're saying hey you know i i feel i feel called yeah to argentina wherever Mm -hmm. germany south africa wherever and um their church doesn't properly vet them and confront them where they are and say, okay, well, let's talk about that. You know, this, as a church, this is what we think, right? It's a lot of times they're like, okay, great. We don't have, we don't have a missionary over there. That'd be great. Well, that must be God's affirmation of this. Yeah. And uh, without a lot of fasting, prayer, uh, beating the word, um, and we're talking time, right? I mean, time to figure this out and, and, and pray as a congregation and and meet regularly with this person to just confirm, hey, God, I, I don't know where you want me, but I know you want me somewhere. Yeah. And Lord, I, I, I need you, I need your church to surround me. We need to figure this out. Uh, but a lot of times that's not that's not what happens. Um, well, you, 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 you see you see Christians think they need to go somewhere and within six months, they're on deputation. No, no for, formal training. They may have gone through seminary. They, they might, they might know how to preach. Maybe they might know how to teach. But I think a lot of them, especially your young guys with young families, are just the money. The money gets in their head. Hey, we have to raise. And, you know, if it's a you know big met, met, metropolitan area, mm-hmm. um, you know, for example, like London or or you said Cologne or whatever, um, that number is probably higher than 8,500. So, I mean, immediately they're, they're trying to overcome this figure. Yeah. And it's not that, it's not that they're, 
I know what you're saying, right? It's not that they're money hungry, but in their mind, like I have, I have X amount of time to it's raise this. I need to get started pretty soon. It's a goal and yeah. with, with the best intentions. Yeah, absolutely. It, yeah, it's I a, agree. It's a agree. goal. Um, and they start thinking about the money side of it and it starts affecting their decisions from mm-hmm. church to church. And I, like I said before, I, I think it breeds compromise. I think it breeds disingenuousness. I don't know if that's a word, but just very sounds like a word. Yeah, it sounds right. Yeah. Um, honesty. It, it just it, it doesn't breed unity. It doesn't breed you know God's people coming together as like-minded brothers and sisters in Christ uh, to to help an, a family. And and I I think when some of those and this isn't a slight for younger missionaries at all, and I, I know that's not what Kyle's saying, but not at all. I think for some of those so those younger missionaries too, it's easy to fall kind of into that trap of conforming in a uniform way. Whereas you see a seasoned missionary come through and I mean, they're, it, it, they are what they are, right? What what you see is what you get. They don't have the uh, unsureness of youth kind of holding back how genuine they are, how open they are with people. Um, I, I do like that you brought up the youth thing, though, because when you look at the Apostle Paul, if you follow his timeline, it is most likely that he didn't start on his first missionary journey until he was well into his 40s. Yeah, I'd agree with that. You look at Barnabas and it's the same way. You look at so many of these huge Bible names, right? Um, even the even the apostles, the original 11, they were with Jesus for three years getting one-on-one teaching with him. And they were sent out once they had received that teaching. And I think we're sometimes doing some of these younger missionaries a disservice who've never pastored a church before. They've never been a youth pastor. They've taught some Sunday school classes. They went to seminary, but they have no practical um, application of any of that knowledge. That real world experience um, dealing with the unsaved. They're solid in the Bible. They know how to structure a message. They know how to spend time in the word and pull out the truths there with the assistance of the Holy Spirit. That's not their issue. What they do not have is that those those soft skills, those people skills that you need to be on a mission field or to deal with some of the stresses that come with shepherding a flock and uh, being in that moment of frustration where you know you're doing what God wants you to do, but you're seeing no results. Um, and they're out there on a foreign mission field with no one right there beside them and again, we've said this before too, to just kind of put a hand on their shoulder and be like, brother, I'm praying for you. I know you're doing what the Lord wants you to do. I appreciate what you're doing. Keep the faith. And you've got these young guys going out there and just kind of learning as they go through the guiding of the Holy Spirit. And the guiding of the Holy Spirit is, is strong, folks. But there's a lot that can be said for just practical experience in the ministry. And I mean, we're throwing them from call to deputation, just like you said, Kyle, right? Like six months to a year, these these folks are on the road. Might even be conservative. I mean, it's, I, I, I know of cases where it's been much shorter than that. Um, and, and quite frankly, there's, there's not prepared. And you know, if, if the goal is to raise support, and I don't. I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with it if done the right way. Yeah. Because um, I, I get it, right? I mean, if you're if you're setting church isn't financially able to take on that burden, um, or majority of it, um, and support you and your family, or if they stay behind, or whatever the the structure is, doesn't change the fact that you're called, and you get we got to figure it out, right? As God's people, we got to figure it out. And um, what else do you do? Right, so I get it. I, I I can get my mind there that in today's society, um, 
if there's a network of churches that want to band together uh, to share, you know, funding and they're all on the same page, um, I, I have nothing wrong with that. But you have to be careful. Um, you have to be extremely careful. With that comes a slippery, a slippery slope, you know, in regards to creating mission boards. Yeah. Slippery slope uh, and not necessarily being autonomous. Yeah. So you, you have to be careful and kind of how you structure it. But um, it's a case-by-case basis. And a lot of that just when it comes down to, you know, financially speaking. But I think the way you counteract that is slow the whole process down. Slow it way down. You, you wouldn't expect a, a preacher of a church to be called to ministry right comes down comes down at the aisle at the end of a service surrenders to ministry um maybe he announces it or has the, the preacher you know announce it to the congregation yeah. it's good to hear that stuff yeah and then you wouldn't expect to see him in the pulpit next sunday or or leaving or even six or, months or, or leaving his church to go be the head pastor of another church right. in six months right uh, I 100% agree. Not and right. and, 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 not, he, and that's not even and, saying like all the barrier, like cultural barriers, yeah, language barriers, right? Um, or just being a light in a dark world somewhere else in, in you know, in, in on the earth. I, I was say in the world, but I, I can't think of a single church that I know of that would allow someone who had been called to the ministry six months ago come pastor their church. Yet we do it all the time as Christian missionaries. We it's almost expected that hey we, we need to raise you know we need to get you there and yeah. hey if it's done right like you can have that mentality and and not be wrong i get it like you got you have to get there and yeah unfortunately it costs money to get there but hey slow the whole process down if you and the church if you the missionary and the church have both met and have come together and they've prayed about it for a while and he's, it, you know, you you have to involve God in this process. You have to give you have to give ample time to have the Holy Spirit work in the in, in the body of the church and in your heart. Yeah, and that doesn't take overnight, folks. No, that's right. So it, it takes time. It'll be clear, right? If you have any doubt, you're not there yet. Hundred percent. You're not there yet. So yeah, I mean, there's a right right and wrong way to do it. My, my, my first thought is just slow the whole process down. And I think that's good. You know, the funding will take care of itself if, 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 if it's something that needs to happen. If you slow it down, say, hey, as a church, we can't commit a lot, but we're going to slow it down. And, you know, personally, I'm going to fundraise. I'm, I'm going to do other things here. And the church is going to, you know, do other things too. We, we, we are burdened about this. We're, we're going to fundraise internally. And, you know, over time, that, that's how these things happen. And I think that's what you see scripturally. No, I, I agree. And I, the one thing that does happen too sometimes, kind of a rewind here for a second. Let's say that church that runs, you know, 50 can't support me. This is something else that happens. My pastor will start calling around to other pastors of bigger churches, not even necessarily in the same state that I'm in, that he knows can support that type of missionary and he happens to get a hold of a pastor of a bigger church that supports that sponsors so their sponsorship would be ascending church support would be other churches that support that missionary right right um, but th- they sponsor a couple of missionaries and they've got room for to take on a, a and sponsor another missionary so now i've got to go kind of interview with that pastor and then interview with the church and spend time with that church and kind of let that church to get to know me a little bit. And, um, I don't move there. I, I spend like a couple of Sundays there and then the church decides through prayerful consideration and at the leading and recommendation of the pastor, whether or not they're going to become my sponsor church. Uh, so then I move before I start deputation, 
I move potentially, let's say from Illinois to Texas. I move from Illinois to Texas to our new sending church, which is, is Lake Worth Baptist. And they're going to send me out to Germany. I don't have, I don't know any of the people here really. I don't have a relationship with any of the people here really. Uh, they know what my statement of faith is and they believe that I have the call. But now that I'm here at this church, I'm immediately starting on deputation and I'm gone. So I never get to know anyone. And by the time I leave for Germany, I still don't know anyone. How do you expect your sponsored church to support you in the ways that you needed to be supported out in the field when you didn't slow it down and you didn't take the time because folks there's nothing wrong with switching churches moving and changing churches i don't think there's really anything wrong with uh even in in the the facet of of being able to get there I i don't think that's even wrong there yeah if done the right way but I, the, what was just going through my mind as you were saying that, Tom, was you have to start the process over. You land, you land here in Texas, you know, where everyone's meant to be. When, you know, when you come here to Texas, you, hey, you have to start that whole process over. You know, you might know how to preach. You, you might have done the, the legwork as far as knowing how to engage an audience of unbelievers and, and, and be able to convey the message properly to the unsaved population, right? You, you, might, yeah. you might have been, been able to do that. Um, but half of it's that half of it's growing relationships within your sending church and really being a part of that church. Yeah. They need to invest in you Mm -hmm. and you need to invest in them because that's how you build a relationship that's going to sustain you on the mission field. They need to know you intimately and you need to know them intimately because otherwise if something's going on and you're going through some kind of hardship, they love you in the sense of Christian love, but they don't have an intimate relationship with you where they can emotionally be affected by your hardship. Right. And their prayer can be so much more heartfelt and so much more effective when there's an intimate relationship supporting it than when not. Well, the other side of that coin, Tom, is if you haven't built and prioritize the relationships in that new church. And that might be where God led you to, and you might have used it as a as a means, as an engine to get you to Germany, right? Mm-hmm. Praise God. But if you haven't, you know, put your head down and actually built the relationships there at that sending church, how do you expect to be paired up with another man or maybe two to go out with you, as I would argue the, the scriptural model is, from that sending church. You don't know anybody. Yeah. Who are they going to send with you? You don't know what you have in common. You don't know how the common, you don't, you've got the commonality of the basic doctrines, right? right. But, but how are they going to support you? Yeah. Even, uh, even if they're there in, in the country with you, mm-hmm. they don't know you. They know you're a Christian and that you're a dude. That's but, about, but, it's solid a, recommendation. You're a good Baptist preacher. Not enough. Yeah. It's not enough. Um, I think really that the theme for a lot of this is, you know, as a church, I think we're we're quick to just jump to answers. We're, we're quick to follow some kind of pattern or tradition that's been set because um, it it works a percentage of the time, right? Yeah. Um, but this is how this is how we do it. Right. But we've neglected the original manual. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, we, we, we've, we haven't thought of, hey, maybe there's a better way, a more scriptural way to do this that leads to more souls being saved for Christ. Um, I think a lot of churches are kind of stuck in their ways. And I think that, like I said before, and I'll, I'll, I'll make this my last point, but just slow it down. Slow everything down. Um, you can't expect to minister out in a foreign field if you haven't ministered to your sending church and vice versa. Yeah. Can't do it. No, I, I love that you brought up that point, slow it down. That's that's something even I hadn't really considered to kind of bring that rush back, like just pull that rush back a little bit. Like the mission field's not going anywhere. 
the field is wide unto harvest, right? right. Um, well, if, like, if and, and I get it. Like, I get it. Like, like I, I can put myself there. I, I don't, I don't believe I'm called as a missionary. Lord, maybe I am. I don't know, but I, I can put myself there in my mind, right? Mm-hmm. You've confirmed the call. You know, hey, you're saved. You know, you're eternally secure. But years have years have gone by. You have confirmed the call of a missionary. And you're, you're on fire about it all over again. You're excited. You're going to wherever and you're just bursting at the seams, right? Yeah. This is, this is your, got to get in country, right? This is your purpose for living, Mm -hmm. right? Now as Christians, it's all our purpose to spread the word, but there's a special designation for a missionary, right? And you, you found that people have gone their whole lives and not, and not found a a shred of purpose and, and meaning, but I, I will say there's something special about being a missionary and know that's why God saved you and put you on this earth. Amen. I get it. Yeah. I can put my mind there and say, get me there as soon as possible. I completely get it. But sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes that, that can be a hindrance. Sometimes that could be your own downfall. And like I said, slow it down, surround the whole thing in prayer. Collaborate with your church. It's not. It's not a you thing. It's a church thing. Yeah. Um. So, I I think my my closing statement would probably, or my closing point would probably be, um, when, when we look at today's pattern, I'm I'm I won't sit here and say that it is wrong. I think it's traditional. I think we've allowed tradition to grow in a certain way. Uh, but when you look at a lot of, even as Baptists, our traditions, what, what we do have to remember is some of those things are exactly that. They're traditions. And we can break from tradition without breaking from doctrine. And the next time we get together to talk about uh, this on missions topic, uh, we'll start exploring something a little more classical, I guess I'll put it that way, uh, instead of traditional. Um, it's, it's something that, that I'm really passionate about as I've talked more and more with Kyle about it. He's, he's become very passionate about it. Um, and I'm not saying it's the, neither one of us are saying that it's the end all cure all, um, but I, I am very, and I, without giving too much of it away, I'll, I'm just very curious to see, uh, if it can still work because I firmly believe that it can. And we're just going to take a look at, uh, specifically a pattern presented for us in Acts 13 and kind of discuss that a little bit. But I love missions. I'm very passionate about missions. I, uh, I love missionaries. I love everything that y'all do. Um, I, I really have a heart for you. I, I just, I love you so much. I, the gospel would not be where it's at today if it wasn't for missionaries and evangelists following the call of the Holy Spirit to just take the gospel to the masses. Oh, no, no doubt. Um, Even unto death. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Um, no, a- absolutely, Tom. You know, I... I don't know if uh, next month's installment of the missions, um, you know, segment, right, mm-hmm. series, if you will, um, will be the finale. Um, it might be. Um, so look forward to that. It'll be um, next month, the last Friday, uh, which is the 29th of September. Um, yeah, it's crazy. It's already end of September. Next time we'll be talking about this, which means Christmas is coming. That's right. <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, we'll we'll try to tie it all together. Um, really try to focus on some scripture uh, there in Acts thirteen and uh, thirteen, and it, you know, really, it, it's not a like you said, you know, finality of this is how you do it, you know, in in stone. And if you're not doing it that way, you're wrong. No, it, it's not a black and white issue. Um, but what we're gonna do is we're gonna tie it all together. We're gonna we're gonna try to to look at scripture and just try to back up what we're saying by scripture. Um, and what we've said multiple times in this podcast is, um, folks, there, there might be a better way. Yeah. And I think as Christians, especially as Baptists, if we can find a better way to be 
stewards of what God has given us, whether it be money, our, our talents, our skills that have all come from him, we owe it to him and we owe it to the Christian faith to, to do that. And that, that's, that's all we'll, we'll look to do. Uh, if y'all have any questions, if you've got comments, uh, the, these, a lot of these mission episodes are getting some really good playtime. I appreciate y'all taking an opportunity to listen to us. We'd love to get some feedback from you. If you do have feedback, feel free to drop us a line at podcast at lakeworthbaptist.org. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, we'll try to get better about our social media. It's, it's, I, I understand if you do follow us on social media, it is a little, it feels a little hit and miss sometimes. Uh, we will try to endeavor to get better about that. Uh, but we'd love to hear from you. Send us a message. Send us a question. Uh, give us some feedback on missions, particularly. Maybe there's some questions that you've had that we haven't touched on yet. And uh, maybe if if the if next time isn't our final one, maybe we'll spend one more time getting some answering some questions and stuff like that. Yeah, if y'all absolutely. Have some. Um, we'd love to hear from you. But uh, we'd love it if, if you would uh, just kind of hit that follow button on the podcast, uh, hit that share button on the podcast. Uh, we, we we love that you're listening. Love to hear from you. Absolutely. Well, yeah, we definitely thank you for taking the time uh, to plunge with us in this thinking well. And uh, we'll see you again next week. Thanks, everybody.